Today on Cinema Oblivia, we discuss the deadliest ninjas in all of Utah. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivion, your podcast for movies that are out of style, out of date, out of time, and out of this reality sometimes. I am your host again, James Eldred, and you know you are not listening to a repeat once again. Back again to talk about ninjas. Again, we have from Texas. Hi, I'm Anthony Abbott. And from Chicago. Hey, it's Norm here to talk about more ninja action. Yes, we are back because after we talked about Enter the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja, I was like, well, what? why not talk about Ninja 3, The Domination? I know we'll get into it, but Ninja is only a percentage of this movie. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's 30% Ninja, 30% Flashdance, 30% yeah. Exorcist, and 10% Poltergeist. So we'll get there. There we go. But yes. Ninja 3, The Domination from 1984. Now, Anthony, Norm, neither of you had seen this film before I asked you to watch it. Is that correct? This was definitely my first time seeing it. And Norm? I saw I, this. I remember this. You know how you have like visions of like when you're a child, you have those old like memories, but you can't like fully flesh them out. I remember seeing the guy come out the mountain. That was it. And then I stopped watching <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, because you you grew up in a very ninja movie friendly household. Yeah, you can say so. It was a lot of obstacles, but I mean, <laughs> I, the the cover of Ninja Domination, uh, Ninja Three: The Domination, we talked about on the, uh, the Revenge of the Ninja episode. It kind of turned me off because I wanted to see Shoko Shugi, but I'm sure we'll talk about the reason of that going forward today. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah, both of you had not seen it before, and before we even get into Let's talk, you know, deep talk about the cast, crew, production, everything. Norm, so this is your first time watching the film as an as an adult. What did you think of Ninja Three: The Domination? I thought it was. I mean, just completely being, you know, honest, it seemed cut and paste, <laughs> and it seemed uh, grandiose. I guess you can say. <laughs> but I will say. Uh, the initial scene, the first scene that, when he killed the people on the golf course, this already sounds crazy, but when he murdered the innocent people on the golf course, that part was amazing because it was just nonstop action. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, what about you? This movie, um, that opening scene might be my favorite 10 minutes of any movie I've seen in a long time ever. <laughs> and I was, at some point I was like, wow, if the first 10 minutes of the movie is like this, Good luck, like finishing this, and I—I I mean, I did not know what was going to come after this. I didn't know we we're going to get different types of movies after that first ten minutes. <laughs> um, I will never forget this movie for so many reasons, and I can't wait to dive into it with y'all because it was an experience. 
Yeah, oh, I, I'm relatively. I've seen this film before this recording, um, but only I think within the past year. Or so when I first started this podcast, I was looking for people to do it with, and there's a guy, but he's a, he's a great guy, a guy named Ed, Edison Smith. I think he has a website called VHS Revival, and he had a great article on this film. And I asked him to do this episode a long time ago, but he's a busy guy, and it didn't work out. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. He just you know couldn't do it. And but I still wanted to watch the movie, so I watched it, and I'm like, whoa, 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 fuck the what? What is going on? <laughs> and I just as a as a connoisseur of eighties cheese, and as somebody who really hates like fake cheese, like you know, like ironic eighties, fake ironic eighties, to find something like this, this is like an artifact of yes. everything wonderful, everything stupid, and and ev- almost everything wonderfully stupid about nineteen eighty four. Not the book, the year. Yeah. <laughs> In one motion picture. And yeah, it makes no sense. It makes zero sense. It is bonkers stupid. But I I, I love this movie. <laughs> I do want to watch it again. I will say that because I'm sure there's something I missed. Uh, but it was just so much. I mean, it's, yeah. it is, every like you said, it, was, it encompassed so much from the 80s. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, we got. Yeah, it's part ninja film, part flash dance, part horror movie, pretty much. And it's kind of even hard to say like how it began. Like you know, this movie has the same crew as the last movie. It has uh, Sam Furstenberg's the director, James Silk's the writer, Golden and Globus are the producers. It has another producer named David Womack, Womack, whose whose name you can see on the tombstone in the cemetery scene. Um, yeah, yeah. Remember that. He es- he escaped Gannon. He did real movies. He he he's an Academy Award nominated um producer for Life of Pi. Uh, he also produced GI Joe, which is another great movie with Injus. Um, <laughs> uh, same stunt coordinator Steve Lambert. So you know all behind the scenes, most of the same people, but drastically different tone. If if you told me that this was the same crew after watching the first 10 minutes, I'd say, of course it is. And anything past that, I would tell you there's no way this is the same crew because this is not <laughs> the same kind of movie after the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Everything is just completely different. I mean, like you said, after the first sequence, everything kind of changes and it just goes straight neon. Uh, you know, the music is really good. I, I really like the uh, first few songs. The, the, well, those songs are... Uh... They're songs, yeah, definitely. They, they, I, I, the, the music in this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> it's cheesy, but half of you know. it is kind of just the half of it is just the Revenge of the Ninja score. Yeah, like they just reuse it, and you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You, go ahead, yeah, Norm. That, that no, that was kind of that was kind of funny when that set it up. I mean, you know, it gives you all the you know, signals that this is going to be the next Revenge of the Ninja type movie and it just doesn't go there. I mean, they do call it Ninja Three. And I think I feel that, you know, going back, Enter the Ninja was kind of a minor hit. It was a bigger hit on video than theaters because they didn't have good distribution back then. And then for the Revenge of the Ninja, that got a major distribution deal by MGM. It did very well for a low-budget film. So I feel like they called this Ninja 3 to capitalize off of Revenge of the Ninja. But then it starts, and it's nothing like <laughs> Revenge of the Ninja. Isn't, and, isn't, isn't that weird that they 
this is the only one that they put a number in the title, but the only connecting tissue besides Golden Globus is Shokasugi. So you think that's confusing to people like seeing this? Like, wait, what are the first two movies if they weren't aware of them? So, Anthony, great point. Yep, that was a, or on the block, that was a contentious, uh, you know, type of deal we dealt with. And <laughs> some people had so many different theories. They had, oh, yeah, I saw Ninja 1 as Ninja 2, and they just made up stories. It was so confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kids do that a lot. Yeah, um, it's like I, when I was a kid, I, I had a neighbor who was who who tried to tell everyone that Goonies Two was a movie because yep. it was a game. Oh yeah, the NES game. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, "No, it's a movie too. You haven't seen it it's on Disney Channel." Like, no, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> My family owns a video store. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, before I, I want to skip ahead a little bit to like how this movie happened. So you, did you guys watch that bad movie Bible video? Yes, I did. Yeah, saw it. Yeah, so uh, th- that's a great video on YouTube, a, a channel, Bad Movie Bible. That, that he actually interviewed people like who made the movie, and like the first comment on the video is by the director. So I, I feel like that is no pun intended canon for what happened <laughs> in this movie. Um, when I was first researching this movie, I went to Shokosuke's webpage, which is amazing, and it gets to Ninja Three, and the first paragraph begins with. Quote, it's unclear where the idea of having an interpossessed female aerobics instructor came from. <laughs> Man, this dude, oh my, he really had some issues with women using martial arts. Have you he not d- heard the term kunoichi? Seriously. Yeah, he, I, I guess not, man. Yeah, he, you know, um, I don't want to make stereotypes about Japanese men of his generation, but um, it's, the, the, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty sexist society here. I live in Japan, here in Japan still. But he said it's unclear. It's totally clear. It's the it's the it's the it's G and G. It's Golden Globus. They they Ninja Two was a huge hit. We've there was a huge hit, but they didn't want to do the same thing again. And then Flashdance made eight million dollars, and Poltergeist made eighty billion dollars. And someone was like, "I got an idea." And so they wanted to have a woman ninja, and Show was totally against that. Right, right. Like he was just like, "No way in hell." And then he finally tepidly agreed to it once they introduced the, the aspect of, no, she's possessed by a male ninja. That's how she's powerful. I mean, that alone, that if, if you, oh, what a, what a concept. Like going into this, <laughs> I, I, I glanced at the cover and I was like, okay, there's a female ninja. Okay, I guess she's our lead. And then the cover has this weird, like, it's got like a dark vibe to it where you're like, it, it looks like a horror kind of vibe, the way everything is, is painted on it. But when you're watching the movie, you're not thinking anything like that. And then when you do get to the point where you realize she's being possessed, you're like, so this is a horror ninja movie. And it's like, I wouldn't have never guessed that from looking at the cover. Because I, I was thinking the whole time, The Domination, like there's got to be something about the subtitle, The Domination, right? It sounds like this should have been called Ninja 30, The Possession. Ooh, maybe good one. Maybe that it's pigs, and they thought they put a hot girl on the cover and call it domination. People might people might jump to conclusions. Could have been that too. Yeah. What do you think, Norm? I don't think so. But don't- <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do go uh, with Ninja Three to possession. That actually sounds really good, and I'm not sure why you weren't part of the staff when that happened. Maybe you're too young. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I was like three at the time. I, I was. I was five when this came out, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so for that for that female ninja, they get 
Lucinda Dickey. Great name. Um, Lucinda Dickey is a dancer turned actress. She's in five films. <laughs> she is in Grease 2 as basically an extra. Breakin', Ninja 3, Breakin' 2, and Cheerleader Camp. And three of her five films came out in 1984. Both Breakin' and Breakin' 2 came out in one year. <laughs> I've seen both of those. And until I went and looked her up in Breaking, I didn't recognize her from this movie. I forgot, Norm. Have you seen Breaking or Breaking 2? I saw both of them, but she looked rather different on this, and I guess it was because of the hair. Yeah. But, uh, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I figured it was some, something about her kind of, you know, it looked similar. Kind of Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver type of look as well. Well, yeah. she's also fucking jacked. Like, I watched yeah. Breaking 2. Like, you can't get... Since this last week, since our last recording, I watched Breaking Two. Uh, Breaking is not on, are not on any streaming service, but Breaking Two is. First of all, Breaking Two, good movie. Oh, I yeah. liked, it. I liked it. It's stupid, but it's well made. Um, <laughs> it's silly. It's silly. Great dancing. Great. Music, great soundtrack. Ice tea. Good stuff. But like in that last dance number one, she's wearing like this a tank top. Yo, she is ripped. Like, cause she's like a dancer, dancer. Like. <laughs> You know, it's like it's like when you see video of like Madonna, like and like Madonna's arms are still ripped because yeah. she's a dancer, and Lucinda Dickey is a dancer, and dancers have to be in amazing shape. So, I I think going from this was her this was actually her first movie. She got see Breakin came out first, but she filmed this first, and. She said that going from dancing to fight choreography wasn't that hard because makes sense. this you know, makes mem- memorizing moves. And she still had was doubled a lot for a lot of the more dangerous stuff. But she, I think, you know, she's a good actress, in my opinion. It's, it's weird how different she looks with like to do breaking and the ninja movies within like the same year, but then just to have her hair be uh, like the main different thing. It's it's weird how much younger she looks in Breaking than she does in Ninja yep. Three. Yeah, just because her hair is different. Yeah, which they changed to make her look more like the girl from Flashdance. And I find it kind of funny too that she also got it from Shabadoo because uh, in that uh, link you sent us about the bad movie, Shabadoo didn't like the fact that she was part of it and said she didn't have what it quote unquote took. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so in all of her canon films, there was a man being a dick to her. Yeah, what the hell? Man, that's the came with her name. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen to Dickie. Yes. She quit acting. She married the co executive producer of Survivor. So she's doing fine. Yeah, <laughs> you she's know? good. <laughs> she's good. Why? I wouldn't act. Shit. Uh, I think aside from Shokashugi, who's, you know, in this film also, she is the, I think, the standout of the cast because the, her, her romantic interest, um, Jordan Bennett playing the officer's accord. I don't know if this, the character sucks or he sucks, but that guy sucks. The character definitely sucks. <laughs> what do you think, Norm? Yeah, it's deplorable. <laughs> what makes him deplorable? <laughs> Just, I know, didn't like him. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing they give us to like about him from the from the time we meet him. Yeah, he, he plays a cop because, like, who, okay, we, we, we said... I guess if we could talk a little bit about that opening to kind of set up the characters. So who wants to who wants to delve into that opening? Please. Okay. I, 
man, I, I feel like I'll miss something because I feel like so much happens. But <laughs> when I hit play on this movie, I did not expect to see anyone on a golf course in the daytime. <laughs> Number one. Okay. In the movie called Ninja 3, The Domination. I also did not expect to see a ninja start to kill people on the golf course, which I figured there was a reason he was just hired for a mission. I figured there was some reason this was They happening. never say. Yeah, they never say. They never say. And then I didn't I didn't think that would escalate into him fighting and killing most of an entire police force on kills, the golf course. He kills 24 cops. In 10 minutes. In 10 minutes. One ninja. One <laughs> In the daylight. Like... <laughs> I wish I had taken more detail. I remember at some point he like hits a, one of the guys, pulls a, a gun on him, pulls a handgun. Mm-hmm. He like shoots a blow dart into oh. the barrel of the, the oh, guy's that's, gun. Oh, yeah. And I paused the movie and I said, this is fucking amazing. And I <laughs> yeah. just couldn't get over how how insane and awesome the opening in this movie was. Like, I'm not kidding. If you don't even want to watch this movie, just go on YouTube and look at the first 10 minutes and tell me you're not entertained and you don't want more of that. Are you not entertained? Yes. He 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 takes down a helicopter, not since Jaws 2. Has there yeah. been a more improbable helicopter takedown? But he just he annihilates that chopper. He kill he's he he rides a a, a police car like it's a horse. Like the first ten minutes oh, of this movie, there's almost more action in this movie than there are in the in the previous two combined. Yes. I think this film, the director said it is half action. Like that was the goal, was to make 45 minutes of action and 45 minutes of quote unquote plot. Uh, That checks out, I think. It's amazing. It's amazing. But yeah, 8 billion cops die and they blow hole. Like they all finally corner him. I love the cop with the the black cop with with the cigar. Yes. He's my favorite yeah. because he never takes a cigar out of his he mouth. He never takes a cigar out of his dead. mouth ever. <laughs> <laughs> and if the ninjas won't kill him, lung cancer will. And <laughs> um, but so all these cops die. We go back to the police station. Um, Christy, that's Lucinda Dickey's character, is being questioned because she found the ninja dying. And Literally one hour ago, all of this guy's best friends, presumably, were murdered. And he immediately is macking on this girl. That's the deplorable part. Yeah. In the creepiest way. <laughs> just, in the just creepiest way. Sick guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I put in my notes, uh, a cab, but this guy even more. Like, yeah. he, <laughs> pretty bad. He's, yeah. he's, and he, he, he follows her to work. Um, some guys. I'm surprised he didn't temp- like. I'm surprised he didn't like drop a pencil and say, "Oh, I dropped something," you know, and then well, like, get a quick he look. He does. Up, he hands her that coke and then puts his foot on the chair next to her, so basically sees eye to crotch level with him. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, he's just a pig, and then she's a, she's gang. Let's not. I don't want to. You know, a very disgusting thing almost happens to her right outside the outside her job. He does nothing but watch her. Like, yeah, that was weird too. He's a terrible he's character, a, and he's, a, he's supposed to be a cop. Like, what the he's hell? Supposed to, yeah, and yeah, he's supposed to be a cop. I'm supposed to like, um, and he's a terrible character. So the actor is Jordan Bennett. I don't know if you can blame him for 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 being so unlikable, uh, because the character is just utterly deplorable. So as as Norm eloquently put, so I I I it's hard. I don't I don't think it's Jordan's fault. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, if if you're given that script and directed to like, hey, be this creepy character, then I guess he did his job, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. He's a hairy man. <laughs> oh, my God. Is he hairy? <laughs> oh, my God. He might, he might be the hairiest man in the entire 80s. Like, like, why is he wearing a sweater? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently Jordan Bennett is much more successful on stage. He started as a comedian after he kind of failed in movies. He went back to comedy, did some musicals. And apparently he has a musical review show with Robert Picardo. That's the doctor from Voyager, from Star Trek Voyager. Oh, wow. And they like Ooh. go on tour and do song and dance numbers. And apparently they, they before COVID, they played Star Trek cruises. <laughs> so, hey, you know, find what you find what you're good at and uh, do it. He he tells a story on the on the on the Blu-ray of he used to be a comedian in the Catskills, and he got fired by Milton Berle. <laughs> he, he just Damn. doesn't seem like a comic type. That's just so strange. When I saw that, that's so weird. Well, he, he seems kind of really stiff. Doesn't. He he has that kind of goofy look to him, like you have like a bad comedy type, like you like like a like a skinny Kevin James, <laughs> which is I guess the Maybe. meanest thing to say about somebody. Show Kashugi returns. He plays Goro, completely unrelated from his other characters in, in the other films, with a dope eye patch. <laughs> that the eye patch was pretty nice. And he, we haven't mentioned this in all of these films. Show is dubbed, so he's because, dubbed in this one too. He yeah, is. Dubbed, in this yeah, one? yeah, yeah, he is. I'm pretty sure he's. I'm. I'm I think. From his biography, he, it wasn't until the Master TV series he did with Lee Van Cleef that he got to use his own voice. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if, if it was really that bad or if that was some if that was him thinking that or if that was somebody at Canon. Wouldn't surprise me. But this was his last Canon film. There was a big falling out over this movie. And he went to other companies. He made that Pray for Death and the Nine Something of Ninjas, which I've never seen. He was supposed to make Ninja 4 at one point in the 90s, but it never got off the ground. And if you want to find out more about Shokushugi's post-canon life, his, 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 his webpage is exhaustive. And he's lived a fascinating life. He's an author. He's been on TV in Japan. He does motivational speaking. He has ninja schools. Like Show's doing just fine without, without canon films. So that, that's good for him. He made it out. <laughs> But is anybody else really of note in this? Because like I feel like the black ninja that's probably barely that's probably the actor who plays him like maybe for two shots. Even that they call him the black ninja. He's wearing like gray or something. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like greenish gray. Yeah. Um, my my boyfriend did notice a few times. He could tell when it was a white guy in oh, the really? ninja suit. Yeah, he, 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 he you know you know they, you know. But he, he's also like his height kind of changes. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's played by David Chung, who is Korean-born Japanese, and then moved to America after that. He's in a few movies. He's in Repo Man, apparently, but I don't remember who he is in Repo Man. And he apparently was in a pretty big indie film in 93 called The Ballad of Little Joe with Ian McKellen and Bo Hoskins. And that was nominated for some awards. He was nominated for some awards, but that's the only other film of note he was in. I could tell he passed away in 2006. I feel like 
you he does not do anything in here. Like you only see him out of ninja garb in the very beginning scene when he's going to get his costume in that amazing cave. Mm-hmm. Oh, that well, is, I remember. Yeah, that is conveniently right across from the golf course. <laughs> I, I did want to say I want to know uh, what he's saying to her. I know he said only guy. Oh, oh, uh, oh, yes. I asked my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank asked, God. I knew you did. would ask. So he says. So after he is shot eight million times by the cops, he vanishes, and uh, Lucinda Dickey, uh, Christie, is now is a is a telephone lines woman <laughs> slash. <laughs> Slash aerobics instructor because again, <laughs> somebody fucking saw flash dance. Um, and <laughs> she's just a she's just a Sun City girl. What what is what is Phoenix's nickname? Does Phoenix have a nickname? Is Phoenix Sunshine State? No, that's yeah, just a Sunshine State girl on a Saturday night. Um, because flash dance is a steel town girl. Anyway, that's right. uh, mm-hmm. she she finds him. He first he kind of assaults like he he kind of strangles her for a minute. She runs away, and then in Japanese he says "stop." And so he he says, "I'll give you my sword if you help me." And then he keeps telling her to sit down. When's he sitting down? And then he just <laughs> and that's pretty much all he says. He is speaking actual Japanese, like it's that's not, so interesting. It's I not love I love to hear it. So that's I'm glad awesome. I, I I got my my uh my my boyfriend to uh. To translate that, I sort of paid him some translation money. Do y'all also watch these movies with subtitles? Because I watch everything with subtitles, and I noticed there's a lot of stretches where they're just speaking in Japanese and there's no subtitles for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking yeah. another language or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. foreign language. Well, not a, not a ton in this. And that was the only like really interesting thing said. Most of it was just wait, stop, I'll get him, you know, very like kind of filler. That was the only okay. like actual conversational Japanese in the entire film, I I believe. But yes, he he uh that is I think David Chung's only real acting in the film, too. <laughs> I did notice that there are two more kind of other Asian actors of note. The master from Enter the Ninja is in this movie, very briefly, in the airport. Uh I believe that's Dale Ishimoto. Remember, remember the the guy who gets his head cut off in the beginning of Enter the Ninja? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the master in the airport. And I didn't really mention him last time. He is an interesting guy because he was uh, a World War II hero for America while his family was interned in, 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 the, uh, in the, the internment camps in America. He was in the, he was in the 40, 442nd Regiment. There's a movie about them called Go for Broke. They're the most decorated regiment in the U.S. military history, and they're all Japanese-Americans. Hmm. Uh, wow. If you, if you want to see an interesting movie about that. And he's also in a great movie from the, well, a dated movie about the internment camps called uh, Come to the Paradise, which has. I have seen that, that one. Now, I haven't seen that since high school. Is it, is it, is it very white savory? Honestly, I haven't seen it since about high school myself. I remember seeing it because uh, I think at the time I've recognized, I think the actress was in um, Joy Luck Club. Oh, okay. Uh, Tamalyn Tamita, and I recognized her in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I remember seeing it and just, I think honestly, when I was, the first time I saw it, I think it was one of the first times I was made aware of the internment camps. Mm -hmm. I don't think we hadn't talked about that yet in school. So when I did see it, I was like, whoa, this is like a whole new thing. Like the whole concept was new to me. So, but I haven't seen it since then. So I'm not really sure how it holds up. Yeah. Cause like the main character is Dennis Quaid. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, but and I think I, it was an Oliver Stone movie too, or something. No, that's so. not Oliver Stone. It's Alan Parker. Uh, Parker. Okay, that's right. Alan Parker did Evita and um, Midnight Express, Mississippi Burning, and The Commitments, which is why Cole Cole Meany's in that movie because Cole Meany's in the in, in every movie with by Alan Parker. Um, it's when I saw it, I liked it. It's probably aged poorly because, like again, the main kid is a white guy, but it was. At the time, it was the first movie to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So I think it is an important film if 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 dated. But he, he, I thought I just thought I wanted to bring that up because I thought Dale Ishimoto was an interesting guy. Also, this movie has James Hong as yes. the, the exorcist. The I guess the the vaguely Asian exorcist. Um, now was was Big Trouble in Little China? Was that a, a canon film too, or no? No, no, no. no? That's okay, a, that's a real movie. Uh, but that was him in there, right? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. Okay, uh, just make sure he—he's in over four hundred movies. Yeah, jeez, yeah. can imagine. <laughs> he's I've one of those guys. He's the—he's the Asian Dick Miller. You just <laughs> recognize him. You know, it's like, hey, it's that guy. He's the voice of what's his name in uh, Kung Fu Panda, Mister Ping. Uh, and, oh yeah, and he's in Blade Runner. He's in Big Trouble, like you said. He is going to be the voice of Grandpa in that new Gremlins cartoon. Um, mm, okay. That so, cool. still acting. He is how he was born in 1929, according to IMDb. Um, so, dude's working. <laughs> um, 1929. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, over 90 years old and still working. His first credit is in let's see, 1954. Jeez. Wow. Jesus. Like new Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> he's and he's in the America. He's 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 a voice actor. He, like in the American Godzilla. We like uh not that I mean the the American version of the original Godzilla. The one with Ray Bradbury. <laughs> oh, and okay. he was in Dragnet. He was in Rin Tin Tin. He was Jesus. In, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Man, what I forgot about Rin Tin Tin. You know, no, yeah. forget about Rin Tin Tin. Um, <laughs> he was in The Man from Uncle. He was in I Spy. He was in Lucy's like second TV show, Missing Impossible, The Bob wait, Newhart wait. Show. He was in Man from Uncle, the show, like the show, way, the, the yeah. TV show. Yes. Wow. Uh, Perry Mason. Oh, he's. I think his biggest role bef- outside of that, outside of Big Trouble, is he's the butler in Chinatown. Oh, if wow. you've seen Chinatown, yeah, I take it. Okay. Neither of you have seen Chinatown. No, I have. I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's the he's the the butler who helps who tries to help her escape. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. In that hmm. very uplifting film. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, my boy, my boyfriend recognized him because he's in Dynasty. <laughs> He was a doctor. He was a doctor. He was damn it. Exactly, right? He was in Dynasty. Action movies. He was in Dynasty and Falcon Crest. Isn't isn't there a tie? I don't know if we'll get to this later. Isn't there like a tie with Dynasty with someone else that was almost cast in this movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, was Heather Lockley in Dynasty? Yeah, I think from the thing you said, I think they said she was in Dynasty or something. I think she was. I know Heather Lockley from like a million other shows. Um, but yeah, we, so we'll mention it now. Yeah, Lucinda Dickey, the first choice for that character was Heather Locklear. Um, I feel like she would have brought a very different energy to the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I like Heather Locklear. When Demi Moore was in that one uh, low-budget movie, I can't think, remember what it is. It was kind of like oh, the same one? kind of thing. Parasite? I can't Something I can't remember the name of it. It was like early '80s, though. She's in a horror movie called Parasite, which is terrible. Uh, 
and a few. She could see she was in a few. Well, it's like um, Kirstie Alley's in a terrible horror movie called Blind Date, um, which is about a guy who goes blind, about a stalker who goes blind, and he's the hero, and he gets a special Walkman device that lets him see the world in vector graphics. There is never an episode of this podcast where I don't hear about at least one movie I've never heard of. And as soon as you name it, I either make a note to look it up or I put it on my letterbox watch Blind, list just to look at it later. Blind Date. And I a, love that. Blind Date's a special film. Um, it is, not to be a complete pig, um, it is the only movie I think of where Christy Alley is naked. So, okay. if that's your thing. Um, and the affirmation... Um, uh, the cyber movie with uh, Tom Selleck. I can't think of the movie. Oh, Runaway. When you get, she's not, she's not, yeah, we well, she's, not, she's not. She's 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 backless in, in that. Yeah. Not to be Mister Skin. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Okay, I, I want to get. So listen to Dickie. You guys think he's attractive? I think is so. He, yeah. Yeah. Is, is I it think too much with 80s? the hair. No. A little bit better with the hair. I think it's better than breaking. Breaking, yeah. yeah I was just wondering. What about the um like I'm sorry to just like grill the two not gay guys, but what about the um <laughs> the gratuitous workout scenes? Is that like if you were thirteen and watching this, would you like this movie more? I mean Anthony? if I were thirteen watching this, I would until we got to the the later horror elements. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I'd then I'd be terrified of her. <laughs> about you knowing I mean, you know, it was typical kind of 80s women. Uh, <laughs> I was more for the silicone back when I was a kid, but, you know, <laughs> I'm just honest. saying, you know, they didn't, they didn't have it. So. Yeah, there's nobody, nobody in this movie for me, unfortunately. I mean, I think the most attractive, to me, the most attractive man in this movie is probably the Black Ninja. <laughs> you barely ever see his face. So, um, so Kashuki's not doing it for me. Um Oh, I forgot one more important character, the uh, arcade game bouncer. <laughs> yeah, I was, re- you know, that was like completely piqued my interest uh, because it looked somewhat like Tapper, but it looked yeah, like it a does. Valley Midway game, you know? So I'm like, why do I not know this game? Yeah, so she had, we'll get to her apartment in a bit, but she has an arcade game there called Bouncer, which apparently never came out. <laughs> um, It was made by a company called Entertainment Sciences who made one other game called Turbo Sub. Um, there's a somebody is way, way, way too obsessed with Turbo Sub that Turbo Sub has its own fan page, and on that web page, this guy g- dives deep into Bouncer. Apparently, there are no more than twenty of these were made. They were in a few arcade exhibition shows and a few arcades as tests, like prototype machines. Never officially released. At most, three of them exist now. Um, that's wild. And the ROM has never been dumped online. Ah, oh, that's that kills me inside yeah and apparently you play a bouncer who has to kick people out of a bar um apparently at one point in the game that one of the bad guys were prostitutes and they cut that out um <laughs> in that video game uh it sounds like a very strange game i would love to play it but it is yeah. just it is lost to the annals of time unfortunately aside I, i'm now i'm now curious to know if tetsuya namura had any any knowledge of this game before he made the bouncer for ps2 <laughs> I can't not think of it. I can't not think of it because I played it at lunch because a friend of mine had it, and I can't not think of the boards the bouncer without thinking of that game. I want to know if the creators of Ninja Golf for the 7800 
knew, which is a real video game, a real video. Yeah. Well, I want to know if they knew anything about this move about this movie before they made that video game because I would play the opening of this movie as a game over and over and over again. Um, oh, easily. Just talking about the movie, are we in agreement that the opening's the best part then? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. I, I feel I feel like this opening of this movie should have been the finale. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, it should have I mean, been the finale. You could re-edit this movie, put that at the end, and I would I would leave with the feeling that that was one of the best movies I'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, you I know, guess- you get shot and killed. Yeah, that works yeah, perfectly, yeah. actually. The end, the end, yeah. <laughs> You know, and I, I don't know. I do. I like. I guess the ending is kind of flat, and like because, like, as they say in that video on YouTube, they they reshot it because Shokushuki was furious, apparently, right? And he mm-hmm. walked off the set, refused to finish it, and which is why in the original ending she killed the bad ninja, but then he they changed it. And to be honest, I think that's probably a better ending, like the one they used, because. Motivations aside, if I'm watching a movie with Shokasugi, I want to see Shokasugi kill a ninja. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And, and if we haven't learned anything from all three of these films, it's that only a ninja can kill a ninja, goddammit. And <laughs> they remind we, us in this one. They say it twice in this one. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. I love that she she asked for confirmation. She goes, Is it true that only a ninja can kill a ninja? And I was sitting here on my couch going, Yes, only a ninja can kill a ninja. They told us that in the second one. And I was so happy that that line came back. That was a hype moment for me. I was so happy that they said that. Look, there's three things in this movie that made me so ridiculously happy. The opening 10 minutes that I rewound and watched maybe three times. Um, it's a two-hour movie in Anthony's house. Okay. <laughs> any, <laughs> any, any hint of the the score, the sense, the theme from the Revenge of the Ninja movie. And when they said the line, I was like, okay, this is for the people that they know saw Revenge of the Ninja. These, these are like the little nuggets they gave us. And I was so down for it. It was so good to hear that line again. It's you could have got line. linked at the, screen, at the screen, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might as well have Deadpool just point at me and smile. I would have been so like, yes, yes, you got me. I wonder if, I wonder how she knows that, you know, because remember, she goes to a doctor to get an MRI because he's concerned about being possessed by a ninja. And um, the doctor has that line. My, my favorite line in a movie, my favorite line in a movie is the doctor saying, Aside from your exceptional extrasensory perception and your obsession with Japanese culture, you're perfectly normal. <laughs> so he's like, oh, is he a psychic weebo? What? He's like, you're a weeb. Other than that, you're okay. That's what he said to her, pretty much. She, she, what she said, yeah. Do they bring yeah, that she, up? Yeah. Like that she has like the obsession with Japanese culture. I don't when she goes to that, that doctor. And the doctor's talking, and there's a brain scan behind her. She says that line. Aside from your exceptional existentially perception and your obsession with Japanese culture, you're perfectly normal. That's crazy. 
And I feel like she never shows any interest in Japanese culture. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember showing that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than her sword. She had a sword. <laughs> wow, yeah. oh my God. She yeah. loved, must love the Japanese. Yeah, so yeah. like, so she, when she, uh, she gets the sword from the ninja, but then immediately hides it. Like she, I, I, I get, I guess we're supposed to imagine that like to make her not, to make Christy not be a bad guy, we'll have, we have to take, we have to assume that all of her bad decisions are made by the ninja, right? Yeah. It's like a Dr. Jekyll thing where she's clearly not in control. Yeah. And uh, she Jekyll seems to kind of, himself. yeah. Yeah. She seems to kind of like come to later, kind of like, wait, like, did I do this? Like, you yeah. know, so she, like, she sees the sword. She kind of has a moment where it's like, she doesn't even recognize, like, it's her sword, you know? Yeah. And because, yeah, this, he gives her the sword. And then the sword comes to life in some of the most ridiculous scenes in the world. Uh, this floating sword and the lasers out of the arcade machine possess her. And then she goes on, the, she basically blacks out and then murders cops. That killed I do want to. I do have one question though for Goro, uh, who was Shokushugi, of course. When did he get a station wagon, or like how? That was an El Camino. <laughs> El Camino. Okay. Yeah. That was because he has like, taste. Oh, ah, okay. Well, <laughs> answer the question. He went, to, he went to the car. He went to the car rental shop after he landed, and it's like, hey, I want something with style. I might, and, and I might have to carry a corpse. <laughs> so, give me a big trunk if you got it. Um, Interesting. But it has to be covered. Uh, uh, what do you call it when they cover the back of a truck? A hard top. Oh, a hard top. Bed? A, a truck a, a, bed. Or? Yeah, it has. To, well, it has a hard top truck bed. Oh, it has yeah, to have yeah, a hard top right. because I, I might be, I might have a body in there, and if you give me like an exposed back top, people are gonna see it. So, was, you know, was I the only one that when the sword came to life, <laughs> was it the moment that it clicked for for both of y'all when you're like, this is not the movie I thought it was? Yeah, that was it. You're right. <laughs> I, yep. I I I had parts of it spoiled for me so i kind of knew going in but the first time i watched it and their sword came to life that was when i was like i need more whiskey <laughs> and because i am i will enjoy this movie sober but i will enjoy it even more <laughs> a little wasted i did watch it sober this time and i still liked it so that's my that's my barometer for a bad film if it's if it if i watched it sober and i saw it a good time then it's a good bad movie like you know <laughs> like uh like miami connection uh you know i can watch that sober and it's still hilarious um yeah that the the flying sword is great uh oh i really wanted to mention really quick back to the i'm kind of haphazard but these ninja films do that to me um, <laughs> uh the music in this movie is almost in from what i can tell is almost all the old score which is strange to me because it has two composers still who weren't the composers from the from the second movie guy named Udi Harpaz and Misha Siegel. And I only bring them up because of the other credits. Uh, Misha Siegel did the music to Last Dragon. Ooh. Um, and the Robert England Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I've never but seen that. since then, he's done nothing but garbage. He has uh, over 120 credits on the IMDb. Like some years, he has like five movies. They're all films you've never heard of, except for maybe The Human Centipede 3. Oh, wow. They made, they made three of those? Oh, yeah, they did. Um, but as of right now, as of right now, um, March 10th, 2022, at one one sixteen Japan time, he has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 announced films in production. Wow. Whoa. Busy man. 
He had just finished. He is currently working on the music for two Amityville films, which both sound great. One is <laughs> Amityville Shark House. What? <laughs> what? You can't. You can't just mad lib movie names, James. It's not how this works. Exactly. Oh wait, it gets better. The other one, which I think is out, um, is <laughs> Amityville Karen. Like Karen, like, like I, the Karen, Karen. Yeah, oh, yeah, Karen, Lord. Karen. Which might be a good idea for me, but I'm so that I'm so the execution is poor. I almost. For a while, I was really toying with the idea of doing a, a side podcast where I review every single Amityville film. Um, I mean, what, what's Amityville carrying? A house with a bad haircut? <laughs> and like one of those like sweaters with no arms. You know what I mean? Like 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 the total neck with no arms. That, <laughs> yeah. that those wear a lot. And like a, a faded tramp stamp. <laughs> um, but the other composer, Udi Harpaz, I don't know how I'm saying that right. After this, he immediately went to cartoons. And he did this. He did the music for Turbo Teen. That was the cartoon about the kid who turned into a car. Oh, like, wow. Like Cronenberg body horror as kid cartoon. Um, <laughs> Centurions and Chuck Norris Karate Commandos and Digimon. Centurions were awesome. I remember loving Centurions. I remember the toys more than because the toy, well, they had the hologram. Yeah, the toys had the holograms on them. Yeah, I don't remember the cartoon at all, but I remember the, I remember the toys. Um, yeah, it was super awesome. And he also mm-hmm. does music for like Melville's Place, Everybody Hates Chris, The Simple Life, and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Like a good number of the crew on this movie went on to work for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> really? Yeah, like as like supporting characters or just like behind the scenes people. And I was looking through, like clicking the names, like at least five people on this movie worked on Power Rangers. Now, just to kind of do it just for clarity, just because so nobody asked, Centurions was the group of three dudes with the guy with the uh, Tom Selleck mustache and visionaries was with the holograms. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Oh, okay. So I did mix those up in my mind. I like Satyrions though. It was pretty good. I'm looking. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm looking. I just Googled it. I remember them now too. Yeah. You're yeah. the guy with thank, the mustache. Thank you for the, thank you for the light. That is, that is a Tom Selleck ass mustache. Thank you for the uh, real time correction. Uh, Norm. That's a, a, greatly appreciated. I, I hate it when I, well, I hate when I edit the podcast and I'm like, oh, f- I'm wrong. <laughs> God damn it. I have to edit it out. And then really quick, one more thing on the music. I'm sorry, to, but I'm a music guy. Um, the songs in the movie. Oh. <laughs> there sure are songs in this movie. I, mean, I like cheesy things and I, I worked with, with me and my wife and I both watched it and we both danced. So why not? You we like danced to stupid shot? stuff. I don't remember okay. this. Name. See now, what? now this is when I tell you you should have watched it with the subtitles, and I wish I had written these lyrics. Oh, down. I forgot. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Because Please remind remind me because it was something I, crazy. I'm gonna have to like look them up because I remember watching it and and they even told you like on the subtitles like body shot by so and so and I was like what yeah. and like for a minute I was like am I supposed to know this artist? I don't remember this song. And when the <laughs> song starts playing, I was like, what am I listening to? I'm going to see if I can find the lyrics because they put them on, on the captions. Yeah, please, I'm, I'm looking please. to. I can't find them right now, but the uh, while, while, you're looking, while, you're, while you're digging, Anthony, I'll talk about the, who did that. It's a guy named David Powell, and this is one of his only film credits as a composer, as, a, as someone who, who makes the songs. 
he has a ton of credits, but none of them are music. They're mostly, well, the, mu- the music department. He works in music clearance now. Um, like, and like music rights. And he, he owns a company that does that. And apparently they're a pretty big name. But this is one of the only movies he did where he makes songs. He also wrote songs for the director's first movie, One More Chance, that drama he made. So I guess that's how he knew him. But I looked him up on Discogs. Apparently, he engineered like the worst Wall of Voodoo album. Uh, anyone know who Wall of Voodoo is? The name sounds familiar. Wall of Voodoo and Me- Mexican Radio. That's the, the one hit wonder. Um, and he did it. He was a, a crew member on the Bruce Springsteen live album. And he possibly did a remix for Erasure. <laughs> But that could be a different David Powell. Sometimes Discogs is bad at that. But that's okay. pretty much it. He's not a he didn't write anything else. And the singers for these songs, no other credits. Complete mystery. So usually, <coughs> usually when I find a movie that has terrible songs like this, and I Google the performers, like they're backup singers for Tina Turner, or they had an album on Jive Records in 1989. You know, something, mm-hmm. some moderate, they moderately did something or they became producers or whatever. These people, Zal, Sally Zapula and Lees Miller, I don't need L-E-Z-E Miller, zip, zilch, zero. I got nothing. So I have, I have found the lyrics for Body Shop and, and to put it in, the, to put this into context, this is a song that's playing when they go to show the uh, aerobics class. Yes. So. This is also the music that the characters are hearing in the movie. Mm-hmm. So with these lyrics, if this is what they're working out to, this is really messed up. Okay, go um, on. You know, the chorus, they just say body shop several times. And then, and then here's here's a verse. Uh, take a look at your body. What's your favorite hobby? Is it jumping through the TV all night? Uh, when you look in the mirror, do you wish it was broken because you can't stand to look at the sight? What's your body saying to you? Tune that engine, tighten those belts, set the timing and the rhythm, make that body hurl out. Get you, let's get you to the body shop. So it's it's telling you, hey, are you lazy? Why don't you get in the gym and work out? That's what the song is about. Like, hey, fatty, the song. Yeah, so it's like the aerobics <laughs> class is the body shop. Yep. That's what it is. That's messed up. <laughs> it really is. I'm yeah. reading like some lyrics going, are they just talking crap on the people in the aerobics class? Man, fuck you, Dave Powell. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's weird. Yeah. Uh that scene is so all the all the flash dance stuff is ridiculous. Like it really is. The horror stuff, like, if you told me here, if somebody came to me and said I wanted to make a ninja horror film, I could see it. You know, because ninjas are they're stealthy. You can make a ninja horror film. Yeah. <laughs> With flash dance, like no, wait up, wait back up. <laughs> <laughs> One step beyond. He went too far. It is. It is so obviously pandering and such an obvious attempt to cash in on flash dance.
I want to go. We're going to go into some de- detailed scene stuff now. So if you haven't seen the film and you don't want to be spoiled, it's on Amazon Prime still, right? I believe yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, you can I watch it on all. Amazon Prime. Watch it because now yeah. Anthony is going to talk about V8 juice and it's very important. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so the the Cindy, after being stalked by the cop who then threatens to arrest her and then throw her out of his car, she's like, I'll fuck you. And because it was easier in the 80s, apparently. Um, they go back to her place and how does C seduce the cop? They're at her, at her arcade apartment. Um, and, and then this cop who has started off being overly confident and creepy hitting on her when he first meets her, he is now like a little shy boy. And he looks at her, he's like, I like your pajamas. And I start laughing because that's a weird, just random thing to say. But then she takes and perfectly holds in front of the camera a little bottle of V8 vegetable juice where you can clearly see the logo. Like this is product placement. And then she does what no one expects, and she starts pouring it on herself like it's the most seductive thing in the world. And meanwhile, I'm like, why is she pouring V8 juice on herself? <laughs> and it becomes the least seductive love scene I've ever seen in my entire and life. And then he, yeah, and then he licks it off of her. <laughs> yeah, and what's and even it's weirder? So random. She takes a shower just to <laughs> do that. So it's like, huh? <laughs> it doesn't is make. Doesn't make any sense. So, so I there is I read I found an interview which does kind of explain it. So they had a they had a product placement deal with V8, uh-huh. and V8 was all on was all over the set. Everyone could drink V8, and so that was the drink at hand, and that's why it became the seduction drink. And and the director's the director's rationalization what for it was well, Christie is a health nut. Right, so it's not going to be a Coke or a Pepsi, and it's not going to be maybe she probably doesn't drink that much because she's too <laughs> concerned about her health. So, yeah, she's going to fuck with VA. <laughs> well, it was it was the whole thing for me was the presentation, right? Like if she didn't hold up the label, yeah. if she just opened up something <laughs> and, and poured her stuff, like okay. But it was like there was a moment where she's like, "Look, this is motherfucking VA." It was so like, "Look at this camera," and that's what I was like, "Am I watching a V8 ad right now?" And this is what, what's happening. And it wasn't even VA Picante, like <laughs> that was. They the probably place. had it back then. They you're just right, only had right. probably the one flavor. <laughs> I have not yeah. drank V8 outside of mixing it with vodka in forever. <laughs> uh, V8 Bloody Marys are good. Um, I just thought if that was an official product placement, that means that is. someone at the V8 company had to also approve that scene, and they were good with it. <laughs> yeah, someone at V8 was like, I'm down with this. Well, they just wanted to be part of that apartment, right? Because her apartment is incredible, and it is obviously a ripoff of the apartment from of the, of the – we call it an apartment, but it's really like a factory space, right? Or like a like, like a, a warehouse. Loft- like a loft. It's like those were the big thing in eighties movies. Like I'm like um what's her name? Uh Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction has one with that yeah. freight elevator that they that they fucking um because it's a classic <laughs> film. Um I got the laughter of approval from Norm. I like that. Um <laughs> and like a few like I think an FX has one like that movie. FX, I like that movie. There's this is when we bit- Woody Harrelson is pretty interesting too. Uh where it's like it's like this drama and she has one in her apartment as well. What movie is that? I can't. Something with blue, but it was a really interesting movie. But like, he <laughs> was like an artist. Later. Yeah, it's interesting. 
But her apartment is like, I want to, I wish, I want to find out who the set designer for the apartment was and give them a retroactive Oscar. Because <laughs> it is the most, like, if you, if you paid, if you gave a synthwave artist all the money in the world and said, make the most 80s apartment, they wouldn't be able to do it this good. <laughs> and I they had the picture, first... too. What was that? The picture, you know, that that one has those uh, like pictures with like a lady that was uh, like that's porcelain a, almost. That's pa- that's Patrick Nagel. That's the artist. Ah, there you go. Y- yes, Patrick Nagel did the artwork for Duran Duran Rio. Okay. Yeah, uh, which is very similar to that cover, and it's like that awesome, like that, like that porcelain white woman with like the shades, right? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a Patrick Nagel. That's a Patrick Nagel. Or right, if you're into eighties rock, you if you're into eighties music, you know who that is. Um, because he was like, like Duran Duran Rio is like a famous cover of his. So she has that there. There's literally neon on the walls, <laughs> mm-hmm. which would be loud, right? Because like neon buzzes. I don't know how you could. Oh sleep yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it'd be like like living in a bar or something. You know, all those signs making all that noise all the damn time. Oh man, don't get me going. That'd be great. Um, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be dead in a week. Um, fantastic bed, fantastic bed frame. Like weird, like the the arcade machine, of course. The old refrigerator, that giant thing. That's not, what do you call those spinny things that's on top of the refrigerator? Like, like the kind of thing you'd see on top of a smokestack. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't think of the name of it though. And like a mannequin, I think is there. There's like a, a motorcycle helmet there for no reason. See, I thought it was his apartment because of all this stuff. Because of how random this stuff was. No, it's hers, man. That's her. That's her pad. Like, at uh, first, I thought it was his because everything just seemed to be so random, you know? Like, it was like a bachelor pad with just, here's an arcade machine and here's a motorcycle helmet. You know, it just seemed like a bunch of random stuff he had. I'm sure his apartment is just nothing but police uniforms and stalking pictures of other girls. <laughs> Definitely no <laughs> no razors for shaving in his apartment. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying, man. Yeah, I wish... I wish more of the film took place in that apartment. I do like it when she's trying to flash dance the demons away. Like yeah, he's just standing in the part. middle, yeah. just dancing. Like I'm a I'm a maniac ninja. <laughs> she starts. She she turns music on because this is now like everything is going full Ghostbusters, right? Like the 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 ghost is like messing with stuff in the apartment. Like everything is spinning, throwing stuff around. She decides I'm just going to ignore this and turn the stereo on. And then I think like the ghost takes the sword and cuts the radio in half. Yeah, to turn the music off. It was so weird. Such oh a yeah, man. Weird scene. That's that, and that, that that was a sharp. That's Japan on Japan violence, <laughs> destroying that vintage. That, that that'd be worth money now. Trust me. Uh, yeah, I want to. I that's the kind of apartment that when I was a kid, like, and I watched these movies. It's like that's what I wanted to live in. You know, like these massive oh, yeah. one room apartments <laughs> that have all it, 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 like more crazy shit on the walls and a TGI Fridays. Yeah, it looked like a restaurant, exactly. Bang yep. place, but I, 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 outside of the apartment, there are some good scenes, I guess. Like I do, I like the hot tub murder. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, that, the whole scene is weird because I mean, isn't he on the clock when he takes the hookers from the police station to are his? Are you telling spot? me this cop is crooked? <laughs> By no means. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a whole squad of like sexist pigs. 
Yeah, and there's the other cop. The first cops he kills is the old, like, forget about it looking dude, right? The old, uh, the guy playing pool in his living room. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Who, who, she cuts his face. Also, thank God he's wearing underwear under his boxers. Because <laughs> I don't want to see that. Um, you know, I was wondering, wonder if he was wearing tidy whities for a second, I think, but I was like, oh, I think he, thank well, God. There was, yeah, there, thank God he is, because, like, uh, hey, man, I don't. I don't want to yuck anybody's yum, but that ain't my scene. That dude, that dude's terrifying, ugly. Anyway, she cuts his face, throws him out the window, and he dies. He's on the first floor. (laughs) (laughs) How does... There's no death blow. Like, did he just land funny? (laughs) It's it's like... It's so weird. And the hot tub one is weird because, like... The other girls are there. It's like, oh, yeah, come on in. And they get mad. If they're hookers, they're mad that she's making out with him. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Like they, It's a weird they, scene. They, yeah. They went, they went from, like, we're partying to, like, why are you here to, you know what? Screw this. We're leaving. And now we're mad at her. It was so weird. It, it's a strange scene that makes no sense. And then what's the other but i guess there aren't any other big cop murders until the funeral yeah <laughs> oh, oh yeah the funeral yeah, that's oh, right. before the funeral yeah. before the funeral the exorcism the exorcism um because that's amazing <laughs> the exorcism uh, is wild exorcism is wild because the cop says look i know my partner in the asiatic division recommended. oh my god you have an asiatic you're in phoenix <laughs> fuck you um also also in there moment where like her body is spinning and you can just tell it's like it's just a mannequin strapped to like a thing with so apparently so there's an interview with lucinda dickey on a blu-ray and she talks about that scene and how that that's the only scene that she's really embarrassed by because they use a fake they 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 made a uh you know a plastic copy of her head Mm -hmm. you know and it looks good and then the um but the body is hollow. So it's spinning with no weight. So it just looks so ridiculous. And like whenever I watch that, I just get in my head, you spin me right round, baby, right round, like a ninja baby. It's ridiculous. And that seems great because that's when the cop finds like, what's a ninja? <laughs> it's, it's always funny in any of these movies when somebody... That's interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Norm. That's the interesting thing about, you know, like this movie that they kind of go more to the fact that ninja is like a a spiritual type of thing instead of like a martial art. And like, you know, it's based in like evil and I don't know, it's just more connotations to having it be just like a demonic force instead of just being like, you know, an actual fighting style. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it definitely hypes up that. Although like Shokasugi is, well, I guess he's not a ninja. Like he's he's fighting a ninja. So, and they have that flashback of the ninja, like, taking his eye out. I guess that was a whole huge fight scene they cut out of the movie, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, to make it under, because the canon rule, the canon rule is a movie can't be more than, a movie cannot be more than 95 minutes long. Because Mm. if once it's over 95 minutes, you lose, you lose one screening a day. In the timing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so 95 minutes. Oh, and if you want to do a double feature... That's the perfect length for the beast, the B-roll double feature. So they cut that whole scene out. So all you see is the evil ninja throwing a ninja star in the show <laughs> eye, laughing about it. Like, yeah, motherfucker! 
You know what the subtitle said on that part? What? After he throws the star at him, it just said cackles. It's a good cackle. It's, a good, it's, it's I, all it said was cackles. That's all it needs, man. That's a good subtitle. Yeah, he throws uh, at him and he just kind of runs away. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so stupid. Know. Yeah. I'm and dead. then, but then, then after the possessing, and at the point where uh, her boyfriend cops would really be doing more because <laughs> he should have pieced it together. There's the funeral for one of the cops he murdered. I forgot which one. And she sees the black cigar cop. And I'm, uh, that, that's not racist, is it? I mean, that's what he is. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we established him at the opening of the movie. He's black cigar cop. And yeah. she's like, well, time for him to die. And so she goes to the funeral and then murders the other half of the police force. And that's an awesome scene. It's like the golf course part two. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because this is another time when I got really hyped because I was like, is this just more like the golf course? Because we're out in the open, right? And you would think this is a this is a cop funeral, and every cop seems to not have any weapons. Like one cop yeah. runs up, pops his trunk, and everyone's like, Give me a baton. And he has like all baton. the batons. Yeah, because you know what cops are really hesitant to use? Guns. Yeah. <laughs> no one had anything on them at the cop funeral if and the batons cops... that break uh cemetery blocks oh yeah that was yes. great. yeah you can see the re- you can see like the the framing stuff when they break it like it's not solid it's obviously styrofoam um but yeah if the cops in the real world were as bad shots as the cops in this movie there'd be a lot less problems to cops i think there was a lot of stormtroopers in this division, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, they were bad at the job. Um, that's a great scene. It has that great motorcycle stunt. That's that's Bobby Knievel doing that stunt. Oh, cool. E- Evil Knievel's son. Uh, I think that's the third episode of this podcast where Evil Knievel's come up. Because um, I'm classy. And that, that leads into that great fight in the abandoned building. Also, where like Shokasugi falls to the floor. And just, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good fight scene. And apparently when that's when our favorite stuntman, uh Steve Lambert, broke a vertebrae in his back. Oof. Uh doing that stunt. He's he's on the commentary track for this movie too. And again, it's just him saying, That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. We get it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> feel the movie does like like okay so like going back to enter the news is a bad movie like and a, kind of not even fun in parts and we've entered into this is a great movie that's stupid yeah this movie i feel it's a bad movie um most of it is good to watch but the third act kind of just goes to shit once they start going to that that Japanese Shaolin monk building in the uh, mountains of Arizona. Knows. Yeah, and then they get possessed with ninja fire. Yeah, the, yeah all, the, all the Gokus, all the Gokus are there. Um, <laughs> that's not my boyfriend said that. <laughs> just just want to put that out there. He called them Goku because they're dressed like Goku. Want, 
I did want to ask something, though, just to go back quickly. When uh, Black Cigar Cop got killed, did he, did he still have the cigar in his mouth? Or, no, uh, he didn't, and I was pissed. Um, it's like his one character trait doesn't go with him. Like, if he's not buried with his cigar, those other cops did not love him. <laughs> he looked like the uh, – he reminds me of the, the guy in Aliens, the uh, the Marine commander. Yeah! Capone. Oh, Capone. Yeah, yeah Capone. Yes. Assholes and elbows. Let's move yeah. it. <laughs> Same vibe. Got the cigars yeah. the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I uh, And the the third act is also when it gets like super supernatural. Like the ninja, the, the spirit flies out of the body. And what is that weird like yelling possession he does? I don't know what that was. <laughs> and so Sho has to fight. So there is some Japanese there. Sho is when Sho is fighting all the possessed monks, he keeps telling them to stop. Yamaru, okay. Yamaru, Yamaru. Like, yo, cool your tits. Basically, basically. That was one of the moments when like the subtitles didn't say anything. And I was like, well, what's he saying? They didn't say anything at all. So I had no idea what he was telling them. No, they tell them to stop. So yeah. And I, I'm saying the same thing in my head because at this point, the movie's off the rails. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think after that is when they change the ending. Everything outside after that is filmed in California months later, and Lucinda Dickey is wearing a wig, and very much clearly never, him and her are never there when Shirokasugi's there because they're never on camera at the same time. Just so reaction weird. shots the whole time. Yep. Reaction shots when she stabs a ninja, it's a body double because you don't see her face. And the the um, the final meeting where they both where, where the where the cop and her do the most pathetic white person bow I've ever seen. <laughs> and next to mine, um, <laughs> this is really bad. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you well, quick sidebar about living in Japan. If you live in Japan, you have a bad hip. It sucks because you got to bow. Mm-hmm. And then oh. you bow halfway. Ah, fuck. Anyway, um, <laughs> they bow. They never say anything to each other, and he just walks away in the sunset. And they make out. <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's a terrible ending. Um, the fight is. I do like the fight with him and Show though. The ninja fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 ninja tornado is a bit much. <laughs> It's it's not as is not as like boss battle as like Revenge of Ninjas you know last fight was but it it was it was pretty decent for for what else was in this movie it was it was pretty decent yeah and graphic he stabs him in the fucking head yeah that was pretty harsh is, yeah is this the most violent <laughs> is this the most violent of the three of them because no. this one seemed like there was a lot well well we have to remember that it might be the most violent R rated one because I actually remember the copy of Revenge of the Ninja that we watched was uncut. Mm, okay. That has okay. that has a, an eight year old boy get an into start of the head. That's so right. That's I'm gonna right. say that's more violent. <laughs> okay. It might be it might be the recency bias since I just watched this. So yeah, yeah. But um, I think why we all kind of enjoy this film maybe for what it is. Uh, critics did not feel that way. <laughs> um, no. This movie because Eventually Ninja got a few good reviews and even the bad ones were like it's funny. Um, I I couldn't find any good quotes from reviewers. None of them were like quippy. Um, everyone hated this movie. Everyone hated it. Uh, the only positive review I could find was by Joe Bob Briggs. And did you see that on on Twitter, Anthony? No. 
Oh, no, I'm, I thought I sh- I thought one of you saw that. I think um, I think I yeah I think I remember what you're saying. It was pretty um, hardcore. Yeah. It was it was bad. It was um bad towards everything too, not just like you know. Well, racial. I'm gonna okay. So okay, I'm gonna say some things. That I'm quoting him. Okay. Um. Um. Now, okay. I I, I do I do want to bring this up, but it is kind of heavy and. I want to say two two disclaimers. One, I'm going to use some pretty offensive language for women and people of various colors. And and this was over 30 years ago. I'm not trying to cancel Joe Bob Briggs. Okay. I don't want people to think that. You know, I don't I don't think he said anything like this recently. He has a so on shutter now. He's like in his 70s, you know, whatever. Okay. I want to put that out there. Um so he said, he says, sh- Talking about Sho Kasugi. Sho is the guy who, that helped invent Bimbo Fu last year um, in Revenge of the Ninja. And even though the blonde fox is not back, we got something better now. Blah, 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 blah. Then the first thing I notice is Lucinda Dickey. Remember Lucinda? Sees the white chick who learns to dance like a Negro in Breakin. Okay. I do remember seeing this now. Yes. And yeah. he makes another bad joke about breaking two. And um, then there was the line. Let's see. What's the next one? Uh, okay. Um, again, I'm quoting and I'm not condoning. Just FYI. It says, talks about all the ways that, yeah, just a second. He's wasting about 12 cops with throwing stars, Sirokin swords, sickle blade knives, blah, 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 and other Jap stuff that can turn your face into Ricerone. Wow. And then, um, next thing, her wimp boyfriend. Okay, I agree with him there. <laughs> the boyfriend's a wimp. Uh, I'll give him that. Next thing, her wimp boyfriend takes her downtown to meet a Jap Buddhist Harry Kushner guru. Damn. Yeah. So, fuck. That's that is, and that's the only good review I could find. <laughs> exactly. uh, um, I'm not even gonna get to. I found a review of the Last Dragon. You don't even want to fucking know. Um, but oh, really? Yeah, I do want to oh, see that. Actually, interesting. I'll but send boy, you a not, link later. That's, a, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a different conversation. He liked yeah. it. Joe Bob Briggs. I I like. Monster Vision, I did not know about these reviews. Apparently, he was pretty controversial back in the 80s before he toned down. So maybe maybe he grew up. You know? Yeah. Again, 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 don't at Joe Bob Briggs on Twitter to attack him for a movie review he made over 30 years ago. I don't think that's a constructive use of your time. You know? Um, sorry to go off on that. But yeah, every other review was terrible, and the movie opened... Number seven in the box office. It did decent money. It made about seven million dollars, but that was half of what Revenge of the Ninja did, and so that kind of killed the franchise. And again, Golden Globus got the idea. You know what's better than a ninja? A white ninja. Oh, <laughs> so to keep the racism. Yeah, that's how American Ninja started, and that's how which I do like. I think American Ninja is a good movie. I think it's kind of bullshit. You know, it's the Elvis of ninja films. <laughs> <laughs> that's a damn good description hey and you know i like elvis was a good singer but it's not elvis's fault america was racist um you know this is, but this is definitely going in globus i think 
trying to the the phrase they used on on the Blu-ray was they wanted to Americanize it. And they, they learned the wrong lessons. They learned the wrong from lessons their, from, from their movie not being as, as successful as the previous one. And the most successful one was the one with the Asian lead, which you know, sort of told them. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember this one having much buzz. You know, back in the day. No, uh, it really did. I remember. Yeah, I remember Revenge of the Ninja really did, and I remember uh, Pray for Death had a lot of uh, buzz about it too. And it's the only one that. Before I bought the Blu-ray, yes, I own all three of these films on Blu-ray. Um, I couldn't remember the cover. Like, obviously, Revenge of the Ninja, that cover is searing your brain. And my family's video store, we had Enter the Ninja. I don't think we had Ninja 3 for as long. I feel like we had Enter and Revenge from the moment they came out until we sold the video store in 1995. Um, I was just going to say, if you put those three movie posters out in any theater right now, that Ninja 3 is the, the one that makes you kind of go, I don't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say that if I had infinite time, money, and wall space, all th- three of those posters would be <laughs> in my apartment right next to my uh, Madonna, Madonna and Annie Lennox posters. You know, have, like, you, have you seen the, uh, the Pray, for, Pray for Death uh, poster before? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Is it a good one? I like that one a lot. I love it. I mean, I, his ninja suit was just so sick. It was like a chainmail suit. And it's just his eyes, and I love Shokozugi's eyes. Oh, yeah, that's a good poster. Yeah, 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 I have seen that. And, oh, you know, yeah, the yeah. funny thing is, I was looking up some of the stuff I wrote in a long time ago about Revenge of the Ninja, and in my review of Revenge of the Ninja, I mentioned that Pray for Death is a better movie. I have no recollection of seeing that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I must have, and I'm looking at pixels of it, but it doesn't look familiar. So I'm gonna have to watch Pray for Death. Do you recommend Pray for Death? I like it a lot. I mean, I watched it recently. It it was kind of cheesy when I watched it, like about two or three years ago again. But I mean, I just love his suit so much. It looks so sick. What about that other one, uh, Nine Deaths of the Ninja? I want to see ridiculous. that because it looks ridiculous. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to see it. <laughs> maybe maybe someday we can do an encore ninja episode. Uh, Nine Deaths of the Ninja was released as American Ninja in some countries. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not America, obviously. Um, I, but I, I'm looking I, at I'm looking at stills of this now, and somebody pointing a gun at Shokasugi wearing only a bikini brief, and Shokasugi posing with a sword with with ballet dancers. This movie looks good. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but the uh, the Pray for Death cover, the poster. It reminded me also, um, I don't even know if this was influenced by the Pray for Death cover, but the Van Damme Hard Target movie poster. Oh, ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the a color scheme is similar. Yeah. And then he's like, if you're listening to this at home, Google Pray for Death and then Google the Hard Target movie poster. And they both have like a little bit of like the blue colors, but they also have the same kind of uh, like even the same angle where they're both looking at the camera. And then instead of like Van Damme's like face being kind of split by like, you know, like colors on top of and, and uh, under him, his, his face is actually like outlined by like a harpoon. Cause in the movie, like they're shooting. They at use him, those arrows. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Those arrows, but it's kind of got the same, uh, same vibe as the pray for death cover. Yeah. Maybe you it's kind of like good... scream. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's a good fucking mm-hmm. movie. Hard target. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just got the 4k yeah. for that last week. Um, gorgeous and i could watch i could watch uh i could watch wilford brimley on a horse (laughs) yes every day of the week
you know, I, I am sad that this was the last one they did because I feel like it kind of goes out with a whimper. It starts, like, much like the ninja movies themselves, starts strong, ends weak. Like, you know, the whole, <laughs> although I guess Revenge is better than the first one. But anyway, this movie starts out so strong, kind of ends weak, and that's kind of how they kind of finished it. And they never made Ninja 4. But as I brought up to you guys beforehand, I used AI <laughs> to see to create Ninja 4 um, premises. So there's a website, uh, if you, narrative device, it's, it's like a, it's an, it's an AI generated narrative device thing where you type in two themes and it gives you a, a, a plot synopsis. And I kind of went hog wild with that with ninjas a while ago. Uh, I'll give an example. Here's one I typed the themes ninjas and bon jovi so <laughs> story this is all ai story there's something about ninja that just makes them cool and of course there's no one cooler than bon jovi so when one of the world's most famous ninja came to visit the bon jovi concert everyone got a kick out of it <laughs> <laughs> and uh there was one more some of mine are somewhat very long i don't want to read a very long one um Oh, okay, ninjas. Oh, the first one, ninjas and rap. I just because I was watching Breaking. Um, there are few things in life as satisfying as mastering a new skill. For ninja, that skill is rap. For years, these secretive and ultra competitive warriors have honed their skills in secret, <laughs> mastering the art form and becoming some of the best rappers in the world. But when one oh, of them is, yeah. but when one of their own is killed in a rap battle. The ninja realize that their skills are no longer enough. They must band together and use their skills to track down the killer. If they can catch the killer, they might be able to restore their honor and become the best ninja in the world. Um, I would watch the fuck out of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> why, am I picturing, why am I picturing an eight mile remake with Vanilla Ice? Exactly. I, I'm picturing I'm picturing like um Ice T's character in Breaking Two. <laughs> with like his decked out like early nineties nails look going on, <laughs> um, all the metal and stuff. Did 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 any of you guys play with this? I did one with the um, well, I guess what more recently has become in in fandom like the ninja's greatest enemy. I did ninja and pirates. Okay, anything good there? After years of training, the ninja master has finally completed his final challenge infiltrating the pirate stronghold and stealing their treasure. The only problem is that he's not the only ninja in town. That's what the AI came up with. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's I just stopped. That's, I'm like, that's too good. How, that's how, too good. How about you, Norm? Do you get any? I thought for Ninja 4, we take it, you know, a little to back to the future. So I did Astronaut and Ninja. Oh, good. You're good. You're smart. Go on. And it was only a matter of time before someone put a human on the moon. And when someone finally did, it was an astronaut. But oh, yeah. even though astronauts are brave and skilled, they are not immune to danger. One day, an astronaut <laughs> was exploring a new area on the moon when he came across a group of ninja. Oh, fuck. The ninja were dashing <laughs> through the air, their swords outstretched, and the astronaut knew he was in trouble. He didn't have a sword, and he didn't have a chance against the ninja. I would watch, man, that's like that, what's that bad astronaut found footage film? Apollo 18? Yeah, 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 that sounds better than that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I I can't believe how fast I pulled it out of my brain. <laughs> good. Fuck you. No, that's good. <laughs> Uh, I really, I, I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I, I did three that are really short that are really funny. If you don't mind, um, Go for it. I was bored when I was, so I typed in ninjas and drum and bass. <laughs> I like to run bass. Um, story. No one knows why, but there seems to be a ninja clan in town and they always seem to be up to no good. The latest incident was when they stole all the food from the local grocery store. <laughs> The police were called, but they were unable to find any trace of the ninjas. The local drum and bass DJ, seeing an opportunity, decided to take matters into his own hands and track down the ninjas himself. He entered the clan's secret hideout, and after a fierce battle, he was victorious and returned the food to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) And then two more short, these are very short, um context i i spent three hours at a hospital uh you know this this week so i typed in ninjas and chlamydia i don't have chlamydia just fyi um so <laughs> story this one's kind of fucked up story ninjas are known for their stealth and precision and chlamydia capital c is a bacteria that can cause serious health problems in women but <laughs> but despite their differences the two have one thing in common. They're both incredibly skilled at hiding. Wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's clever. AI uh, the story device. Yeah. And considering the considering the blood test I had to take to make so I don't have chlamydia, I think he's right. <laughs> um Holy and, shit. Then, and then one more, one more. Ninjas and two life crew. Um I ninjas and two life crew. So as a child, I loved watching ninja movies. I especially loved the scenes where the ninja would use their skills to take down their enemies. I even tried to learn how to do ninja moves myself. Years later, I found out that I had a bit of ninja blood in me. When I was introduced to Two Life Crew, I was amazed that they were also ninjas. I was even more amazed. Just wait, just wait, just wait. I was even more amazed when I found out that they were my second cousins. <laughs> Luke is my cousin. Uh, oh man, that's awesome! Welcome hey, to the Ninja House, Ninja. Uh, I, I, ask me anything about Two Life Crew's first two albums. Um, <laughs> I I used to own the twelve-inch single for "We Want Some Pussy." Um, <laughs> and I don't have it anymore because I mailed it to Jeff Gersman from Giant Bomb. Uh, oh, and they have a mailbag video with them looking at my two life crew records <laughs> <laughs> which is one of my proudest achievements in in um in, in the internet i think but anyway sorry to go off on that stuff i just thought that was i i, I was only gonna read one but those three were both very short and very good that we needed the last one crew album, my favorite two life crew album is as ninja as they want to be <laughs> <laughs> ninja in the usa um. Uh, welcome to you the ninja, ninja house. <laughs> I just like saying welcome. I just like I just like paraphrasing. Welcome, welcome to the fuck house. So, uh, I got that base. Uh, fuck two life crew sucks. But <laughs> my brother used to listen to two life crew when he was working out in the basement of the house of my house. And since it was the basement, it would go through the vents, right? So, like, I'm in my room playing Mega Man. <laughs> and I just hear through the vents, oh, me so horny, like over and over and over again. And my mom would get home and be like, turn that shit off. 
Oh, not man. to go off on off topic there, but anyway, I think I think uh, our views on this movie are pretty much the same. It's a mess, but it's a mess worth watching, just like this podcast. Uh, <laughs> do you guys agree? It was yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastically yeah. crazy, fantastically crazy. And like Anthony said, even watch the first ten minutes, um, three times in a row. <laughs> uh, I can't think. I think. It's a really good opening. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like Jackie Chan police story, like in terms they set of the bar so high. Yeah, in the opening and they yeah, cannot that, match they, it. They really can't. Once the once the ninja is surfing the car, um, I do like also like shows ninja stuff as more low key. But when he like puts the nin- one guy to sleep using acupressure, <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's funny. <laughs> I've had acupuncture. It's not that good. Um, if it worked like that, I'd use it. Just all kinds of little things like that. And again, her apartment, everything about Lucinda's character, the soundtrack. Like, if you want, if you want to show your kids what the 80s were really like, then, in, in, you know, because you got 80s horror, 80s hair, 80s music, and ninjas. If you want anaerobics. to change the way anaerobics. Oh, yeah, shit, yeah. What, what was that, Anthony? I'm sorry. If you want to change the way you see V8 for the rest of your life, <laughs> I was legit in the store yesterday and I saw V8 and I started just laughing to myself. I just couldn't it's help funny. it. It's funny. This is the second movie I've covered. If you want to count Flashdance the third, but really the second movie I've covered on this podcast that covers the 80s aerobics craze. Because I also did an episode. Well, I did a, no two in that episode with my friend Matt. We did one on um, Killer Workout, which is the, uh. Uh, the workout horror movie. And with Perfect. Perfect is the Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Have you seen Perfect? I just, I, I like Jamie Lee Curtis, and oh, I've always no. been aware of that movie, but I've never seen it. Don't see it. If you want to see Perfect, just watch the video for Call On Me. <laughs> the uh, okay. Eric Pride's video, which is just that pervy <laughs> workout scene, because that's the best scene in Perfect. That's a Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta movie, um, where he plays a reporter going undercover to to write an expose on the on the aerobics movement. It's a terrible film. Um, oh Ninja 3 The Domination, better than perfect. And on that note, Damn. I think we'll wrap it up. Norm, where can people find you online? You can find me at twitter.com, normally retro, or question of C, and of course at my YouTube, quest- a question of character. And Anthony. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Bruce Wayne Brady, where I stream fighting games and single player games too. And also on Twitter at Bruce Wayne Brady. All right. And you cannot find me on Twitch, but you can find me on YouTube at Lost Turntable, on Twitter at Lost Turntable, at my website, lostturntable.com, and also on my other podcast, Al Thunder's Ride Time Band, which is about progressive rock music. There are no ninjas. Anyway, that'll do it for today's episode of Cinema Olivia. I'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, take care. Bye.